Just so we're clear, we're both called Mark. That's correct. <laughs> Join us each week as we understand the principles that make businesses succeed. We're a couple of marketing guys on a learning journey, so we're really excited to have you along for the ride. Each week, we'll lead into a new marketing concept to under- uncover a new piece of the puzzle. And on today's episode, we'll be looking into travel, travel marketing. marketing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> what was your noise? <laughs> Mine was a, a plane taking off. Uh, mine was my spaceship taking yeah, off. No, I was I, looking to the future of travel. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's here. Wow. Um, wow. So travel marketing, um, really big and exciting and topic. Um, we've got our boarding passes booked. Um, but before we jump in, because it's such a big topic, we're going to be clear in terms of what we're going to be talking about today. Mm. So we've looked at it in from uh, two different angles. One angle is that we're going to be defining uh, travel marketing as the act of promoting an experience or a group of experiences that involves traveling to a non-home destination, while tourism will be the act of uh, promoting a specific country or a specific attraction. So uh, travel marketing being quite general and tourism marketing being very specific to one place. And Mark, I know you've got some awesome points to, to go into more detail for that. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, it's, it's a really great differentiation to make because uh, travel itself is really broad um, and, and doesn't necessarily indicate that you're actually going away on a holiday or for business. Travel could be anything. Uh, it could be catching the bus. Um, so f- from a travel point of view, I've got that travel is the exchange of money and time for experiences made between the traveler, the destination, and the periphery businesses that facilitate travel. So we've got a few definitions we're working with here, but uh, I think that it's really important to make that point that it is more about going to that non-home location. Yeah, nice one. Very exciting. Um, So as we fly away, um, when we're looking into uh, travel marketing, uh, we've got some uh, really specific principles that we've come Mm. up with and some great concepts. Um, So Mark, what's what's the first one we've got on the the chopping block today? So... um, we have, firstly, the, the idea around visual creative. So I think that you know, we've spoken about this before when talking about this topic, um, that I guess travel is really, really an emotional experience and, and it's really important for marketers to understand that it is emotional and, and very visual as well. You're selling a destination and, and an idea or an experience. So I think by being really visual and telling stories, uh, you can really tap into, into that emotion for the consumer. And I think um, you had a really great story actually about how that sort of came to be, those sto- that storytelling element of travel marketing. Yeah, so um, it's, it's quite interesting when you think about it that um, back in the 1700s, uh, people weren't allowed to travel from the uh, old world to the quote new world without uh, completing a travel log, which mm. would have to be signed off and, and uh, returned to the magistrate. So um, in doing that, though, they had to travel for a purpose and, and bring back some of those learnings or some of the experiences they collected in the new world to add to the collected knowledge that was what the what the world was like outside of home, really. Yeah, it's truly um, like adventure travel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in doing that, oftentimes in these travel logs, you'd have these amazing sketches that explorers would, would draw. And uh, those were the first kind of images that you'd see of foreign destination that would kind of spark that romanticism or the idea to fuel further travel 
um, by seeing those images and seeing some of those descriptions as well. So uh, interesting enough, if you think about uh, Gulliver's Travels, uh, which is um, an, an awesome book from classic literature, it's actually a satire um, of the popular types of travel logs that were being read um, in the late 1700s. So really interesting that if you consider that's where we started um, with some of the first travel storytelling to, to mm. sell destinations in one way. Um, then you see that evolve into brochures um, that you see kind of lying around the house um, in the 60s, 70s and 80s. And, yeah. you know, being able to look at different cruises or um, different uh, travel destinations in different printed booklets and forms. And you mean like those ones that you get from the travel agent that sort of have like 10, 20, 30 pages worth of information about a destination in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you'd, you'd leave it around your coffee table um, mm. and maybe guests would, would flick through it and you'd have those as reference materials to then, um, if you were having a family discussion or, or, or a dinner, you could go back and look through those brochures and because you could visually see the pictures and there were different stories within that as mm. to what your, it would help you um, research and picture your holiday. Mm. Um, which is something we'll, we'll speak about later on. Yeah. Um, and then the, the cool um, transition to that is if you look at uh, now in the modern age, we have Instagram. So really, really clear way to visually tell stories. Um, uh, and that's another way for people to, to go and research their travel destinations. So yeah. um, the visual component of, of travel marketing is, is quite strong compared to some of the other categories that, that we've looked at, purely because um, if you are researching a foreign place, it's nice to be able to see it in your head. Totally, yeah. <laughs> that's that's always nice. I think it really sort of does a better job than just reading about it. Yeah, it probably um, probably helps us if it's a twelve-hour flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I just thinking about you know going back to those travel logs of the early sort of um, adventurers and who had to sketch. Could you imagine if you were a, a bad drawer? Oh like, my God. Imagine the pressure. You're like you're the first person in your country to go and see this foreign land, and you've got to draw it for everyone else. Yeah. How, how do I even draw an iceberg? <laughs> and, and, you, and you don't even have filters. <laughs> Can going back and then speaking about them, be like, no, I promise this is exactly what it looks like. All right, all right, Peter, we're gonna have to take your word for it. Yeah. Like, also, you wouldn't want to forget any details. No. Like people ask you, what was it like? I'm like, you're the only person that's ever been. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's just interesting in itself. And I think you can yeah. spend hours researching that. Um, but to your point around Instagram and that being a really great source of that visual material to research a place. Personal experience last year, some friends and I went to India, which was really awesome. But in preparation for that trip, I actually followed hashtags of the cities and places that I was going. Nice. So every day I'd like see on Instagram people hashtag Rajasthan and all that kind of stuff and be like, oh, that's so cool that they did that. That's an idea of something I could do when I'm there. And then yeah. also just seeing what it looks like. Um, hot tip don't go in the middle of summer right. to northern India real hot like 50 degrees <laughs> anyway <laughs> a story for another time so yeah we talked about visual uh, stories and telling these stories and I think something that you can do once you have these stories is is really think about how you're going to actually target those stories to different people because these days we have lots of digital channels where you could take all of that visual material all of that story and then sort of divide it up based on who you're actually trying to trying to target because people take different trips for different reasons so as I said I went to India for a trip with a couple of my friends and we wanted to have a bit of adventure and a bit of fun but you know someone else might have been going to the same destination and they maybe were going on like a romantic couples holiday or something so how could that destination or people marketing that destination actually take um, the content of what that destination mm. is and then target it in different ways and tell a different story so that could be through the influences that you actually use to tell the story um, mm. on Instagram it could be the channel that you that you use it uh, that you tell the story in as well so I think it's something to really think about is is yeah how do you 
how do you tell the story? And then how do you tailor the story based on where you're telling it through the creative medium? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, uh, it's one of those concepts where being super clear on what your travel proposition is really helps and lends itself to that. And um, understanding how that can link to uh, seasonality as well. Mm. Um, so that if you are already targeting and understanding that if you're um, marketing a, a destination or a travel experience that, that is active at a specific point in time, like perhaps it's around weather, uh, perhaps you're a island destination um, that needs to promote heavily during the times where it's most suitable to go to the beach and mm. other countries um, are actually in the cold winter months. You might use those targeted storytelling and and, um, and targeted position marketing to get people that are in colder places to come to your place at that specific time. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's really smart is understanding where the peaks and troughs are and then uh, sort of segmenting your budget up to get the biggest bang in, in the times when you can make the most money, I guess, from your destination and from tourism. And I think what you're talking about there as well is really understanding what's your core proposition as a yeah. destination, which is kind of weird to talk about as a place. What's your core? Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you really understand that, um, both what your core is from the way that you see it, so what your city, your country actually has to offer other people from mm. your point of view, but also what's your perceived core, I think. What are people who mm. don't live in your country and have never been there, what do they think your country is about? So mm. I've got an example. Um, if we, you know, living in Sydney, we would think that the core would be, you know, really great beaches and probably the benefit that you could be near the beach but near the city at the same time. Mm. And that's why I think a lot of people who move here end up living in Bondi because it, it yeah. <laughs> offers that um, that flexibility. But we also know that we've got a great restaurant scene, really cool bar scene, you know, great harbour, all of these things. Now, what would someone who's never been here think of Australia in general? They'd think maybe kangaroos. Yeah. <laughs> um, they would think maybe sort of like really ochre Aussies that you can't understand what they say. Um, and so that's that perceived core. And it's definitely true to an extent, but it may not be the, the full experience. So how do you then take that as your package and go, okay, well, we've got great beaches. So we're going to take seasonality into account and talk about beaches during summer to get people here to go to the beach during summer. But then we're also going to make sure that we have those other things they expect to get when they get here. So we're going to have wildlife parks where they can see a kangaroo and a koala. Yeah. So I think the key, take, the key takeaway from that is, um, come to Sydney uh, you'll get to uh, meet some really cute koalas in, in uh, great wildlife resorts but also get a pretty pretty mean coffee <laughs> as well yeah <laughs> although <laughs> like maybe Melbournians might disagree yeah, but, yeah. perhaps but yeah <laughs> come for a swim a coffee and a photo with a koala yeah so that, that's our campaign over <laughs> um, so yeah I think it's yeah, understanding your core then helps Definitely. you to understand is seasonality a factor for you? And then how do you push? I think the other thing with seasonality, um, and you see this with brands all the time as well, selling products, is that if you have something that's seasonal during summer, can you actually create something that's gonna work for you during winter to offset that trough in, mm. in, in your in your plan, or I guess in, in your sales year? So if you can, I don't know, if you've got a country that's well known for beaches, mm. um, but then you actually also have beautiful sort of woods and foresty areas mm. that are great during winter, say for instance, mm. the Blue Mountains, how do you push that during winter to also give people another reason to come in mm. your off season? I think one of the, great examples of that are often like alpine destinations mm. so uh, often ski slopes will advertise and promote heavily uh during the winter periods obviously when you can go and ski and snowboard at the mm. awesome slopes but then uh they also use those same facilities and promote them during summertime as uh kind of adventure parks within the woods mm. so specifically they'll promote mountain biking as a sport so when the snow melts they actually keep the same ski runs 
and we'll use the same ski lift infrastructure to get people to go downhill mountain biking, which is kind of an awesome win-win. Yeah, and then they've really understood what their core is, which isn't ski fields or mountain bike tracks. It's downward sloping hills. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then that, that is the beautiful thing about having a really clear insight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, building off uh, a lot of this targeting as well mm. is um, the importance of SEO within within travel marketing. Mm. So. SEO is quite a, is a is a uh, concept that will and principle that will come up across so many different marketing concepts. But specifically within mar- uh, within travel marketing, we've seen a increase in people doing short bursts of research mm. um, to 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 research their travel destination. And previously, where you may have gone to a travel agent, you might now just pull out your phone on a lunch break and do a quick fi- five minute search on need a break, need a holiday, where can I go now quickly. Um, <laughs> Tough morning, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, and and from that um, understanding, how you need to optimize for SEO for your travel experience is really really important. Mm. And we'll talk about a case study later on in in the show where um we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, building off that as well, what's been quite interesting about um uh, travel market as well, doing a more of a digital shift is um the principle of chatbots. So, mm. big fan of the chatbot. Um, think it's a really interesting concept and like. Kind of an interesting, like future AI concept as yeah. well, right? <laughs> um, to to nerd out on, and um, it's interesting to see a, a large rise in chatbots replacing the services of what travel agents used to do. Yeah. So understand that a lot of your search may be done digitally. It makes a lot of sense to have a chatbot infrastructure built into your travel research website. Yeah. So specifically, we're seeing like a growth in chatbots in uh, websites like Expedia and even British Airways as well. So. I'm really leaning into that technology for, for the good. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you said with uh, uh, SEO, you are saying that people are sort of searching in short bursts. So it makes a lot of sense that instead of having to hire lots of travel agents who might be online to yeah. answer questions all day uh, or have them at weird staggered shifts, you just have this chatbot that knows it can answer anyone or multiple people at the same time. And, and if that's at midday when people are taking lunch, that's great. You've always got that resource there to answer their questions. Yeah, exactly. It's it. really smart. It's really cool. And it's almost like the um, some of the other services that travel agents might have offered, which is the expertise in picking the mm. destination, might also be leveraged by um, travel influence as well. So people that are famous on Instagram for constantly traveling and mm. having a really envious feed um, and um, and getting awesome pictures in front of waterfalls with cool looking hats. Mm. Um, <laughs> have you been my, looking at my Instagram? No, yeah, I've just been, <laughs> I mean, I, I've just been, just been, I've just been admiring from a distance. I'm like, oh man, Mark's got some pretty sweet photos of um, hats and waterfalls. But um, yeah, and, and from that, so looking at these certain influences that are opinion leaders in, in where to go and tastemakers in where to go and what to see and, and are serving that information as well. Yeah, I, I think with, with influences as well, you know, everyone's sort of aware of those, I guess, macro influences of, of how you can use a big personality within, you know, social media to promote your destination by getting them to come and, mm-hmm. and take lots of great photos that they're well known for taking. But I think actually in travel, because it's such a large volume of people that are traveling these days because it's so accessible, mm-hmm. micro influences are really yeah. important as well. And even leveraging people who are already making this holiday and just reaching out to them and saying, hey, would you mind, you know, doing this kind of content for us or posting these photos? 
Um, I think you could leverage having you know thousands of people every week visit your destination and using them as those micro influencers who are you know research show that they're more highly trusted mm. so therefore their their um, their followers are more likely to listen to them and, and act on the message that they give them as a micro influencer so that's something you can leverage as well yeah definitely and and I think the cool thing as well is that like having such a clear path to purchase online for travel marketing means that mm. there's quite a clear like payoff if you can get a link to purchase the ticket or the experience as well through that so mm. um what's well influence is something we're always quite um uh analytical of when it comes to like whether they're going to be the right fit for different categories and industries when we're doing these this research and, and looking to these case studies we think that it's uh it's uh, a strategy or a principle that really applies quite well to travel marketing yeah definitely definitely so i think we just need to find a great influence that also has a great hat collection <laughs> and then we we cross sell them with a hat company <laughs> oh i like that like a kubra's in the outback or something i'm like yeah. I, i'm already in yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So I think let's let's dive a bit deeper into sort of some of these digital marketing yeah. principles. And you know, we talked about visual storytelling. We've talked about chatbots. We talked about SEO. I think you know one of the things here is is retargeting. So retargeting is a very basic concept. Everyone knows about it. But within travel, as we said, it's super emotional. And I think you can really play on those emotional sort of heartstrings of people who yeah. want to travel so if you know for example that people are doing short bursts of you know at midday at lunch while they're at work mm. of oh, i want to go skiing mm. um if you can get that information and track that user mm. you can then start to retarget them with ads but i think you can be a lot smarter about it so what you could do is then use your sort of time of day location and even channel of of, of targeting to to sort of get this person up to that next level of ready to actually hit you know let's book this package mm. from going from it would be nice to go skiing to actually let's just do it yeah um, so if you take someone who's searched a ski trip during his lunch break over the last couple of days you could then you know wait until the friday afternoon just you know three weeks before a long weekend in winter and say mm. send him a message on his phone like a some sort of ad saying hey you know that it's a long weekend coming up and mm. the snow fields are looking pretty good and you maybe give him a weather forecast and mm. remind him and then maybe the next week in the elevators in the corporate office that he works at you could use that channel in the screens in there to you know at 5 p.m when he's walking out for i don't know, know. you know tgi friday drinks yeah um you you could get in with a message saying like hey book that trip we've got a, a sale on now it's going to be great weather for skiing so where do i sign up <laughs> are we going skiing yeah <laughs> So, so I think you can be really smart with retargeting. And then, as I said, time of day, the location, the channel, you can use all of these to, to really craft that, I guess, consumer journey um, and, and really make your comms much more relevant and therefore much more likely to convert this person rather than just spraying and praying. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, it's a really interesting shift. Um, and I think as well from a, from a retargeting perspective, I know... I sometimes need an extra nudge to book that that trip and in a weird way i'm almost thankful for the retargeting aspect because mm. um uh sometimes you know booking a uh travel experience is obviously a quite can, can be a significant financial totally. investment but the other barrier to purchase which also can come up is actually being committed to blocking out that time to go to travel mm. so understand that we all have um very uh conflicting schedules and we're all very busy um, and sometimes it can be a bit daunting to commit to, you know, going away for three weeks at a time in the future when you don't know mm. what's going to come up. So um, re targeting in a way that's kind of helpful for your consumer and also um, 
understanding that problem can also be a strategy as well to just to be mindful of. Yeah, and then we said before as well, it's all about this storytelling. So people nervous about taking three weeks off work or you know investing that much money. And I think that's yeah. why the stories that a lot of these um, travel companies um, tell, whether it's an airline or whether it's a destination or hotel group, is always sort of that that wanderlust mm. sort of you know feeling or emotion of like it's going to be so great imagine being over here it's beautiful everything's yeah. great i think you you see that a lot so if you tell that emotional story people are more likely to go like yeah i, I deserve this trip i'm going to take the time off i'm just going to do it let's just book it in yeah exactly and i think on that point it's um one of the hallmarks that we see within travel marketing especially within the creative um, is about focusing on the positive aspects, right, of, of the travel experience. And it's very rare that you'll find in any um, travel creative that they'll focus on actually the, the travel time itself or the journey. Mm. So even though the, the destination might be really exotic and you might be targeting someone that is 12 to 14 hours away, you'll never actually reference the, the journey and the time it takes to actually travel there, mm. which could be seen as, as a negative thing. And you're also going to steer clear of things that like uh, that might come up through the, the travel journey, which might be negative. So, for example, um, the Louvre would never talk about the three-hour line that it might take to actually get <laughs> inside, right? But um, in doing so, we actually see that strategy used quite well um, mm. in, uh, in, other, um, in other categories. So, for example, if you look at plumbing services, oftentimes they'll actually talk about the negative aspects and market on the negative emotions of yeah. running out of hot water. Um, and that's a really strong emotional pull. But um, speaking about the negative aspects of um, need of needing a break or the reasons you might need to take a break from travel might not really work in this situation. Yeah, I think, um, and even I think even if people know in the back of their head that there might be some negative aspects of waiting three hours to see the Mona Lisa, yeah. um, and then realizing that it's very small um, and you can only stand quite far back from it because it's yeah. such a crowd, everyone's saying selfie. Oh God, that was so disappointing. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, you know. People might still understand or maybe heard someone talk about it, but they still want to experience it for themselves. Yeah. I think they, they, maybe they'll only go to Paris once in their lives. Um, although these days people seem to travel everywhere all the time. But, mm. you know, it's a pretty special experience. So it all, people don't fixate on that negative. They really focus on, on the, the positive. positive. I think one of the areas where it's um, people are telling, I guess, more realistic story, which is actually really helpful, is, mm. is ratings and reviews. Mm. Um, if you look, like TripAdvisor is great because yeah. you can sort of, you know, the, the Marriott Hotel might sell you this really beautiful story about why you should go to go to Paris and stay in their hotel. But actually, if you look it up on TripAdvisor, you might get the raw facts of, yes, it's very beautiful, but maybe a bit overpriced or the food wasn't great. Or So that's, I guess, an area where it's not ne necessarily a negative, but it's that reality yeah. when you're 14 hours away from the destination that really helps you to make a, a logical decision when booking. I think building off that point, like travel market is one of those beautiful intersections of designer and marketing. Mm. So we've spoken about quite a lot of the marketing promotional strategies that you, could, you can to push and to grow, but behind the scenes, like also being really conscious of your user experience design as well. So understand that your destination needs to have an awesome product and also a great service if you're a hotel understand how you're catering to the experience mm. in order to to pull people from those other sites as well um is also a really important thing so yeah. great thing to to keep in the back of your head um with with both um with both levers to act upon yeah yeah totally totally awesome um so in terms of like going deeper in, into into travel marketing um and building on top of these concepts we were looking yeah. into a really cool case study mm. so specifically it was around um iceland 
So really cool that, I, I don't know about you, Mark, but in my Instagram feed, when I'm uh, not looking at pictures of you um, in cats in front of waterfalls, mm. I also get served a lot of Iceland targeted content. Yeah, it feels like it's been sort of the hot destination for the last yeah. few years. <laughs> and um, it, there's good reason for that. And if you kind of uh, look back over the years, it wasn't always like that. Um, so in uh, 2010, unfortunately, Iceland had a volcano, which I'm not going to try and pronounce on the podcast, mm. um, erupt. Um, and with that came a, quite a lot of uh, negative press for Iceland. So specifically in SEO results, whenever people were searching for Iceland, they saw a lot of uh, negative media coverage uh, for Iceland's volcano yeah. erupting. So I guess Iceland's tourism board knew that they had a problem to solve from that. And they set about a campaign to actually... Um, focus on the positive aspects of Iceland um, and they uh, launched an Iceland hour where they shut a lot of public services and schools and launched a website where people around the world could submit their positive experiences and positive stories about Iceland which is really really cool yeah talk about a like a micro influencer strategy yeah exactly all the way back in 2010 <laughs> um, <laughs> ancient yeah <laughs> um, so from that they um, were able to actually using all those stories and promoting all those stories, they were able to focus on the positive and actually transform all of the SEO results to focus on, on these stories themselves rather than the negative news articles. Mm. Um, from that, uh, uh, Iceland's, uh, Iceland in, uh, found that they had the highest tourism rate ever um, within that year. Wow. So they hit a um, 138.7 million euro uh, incremental uh, sales from this Iceland uh, campaign. So what was really like, I guess, really powerful about that as well is that from that experience and knowing that they had a really honest problem to solve, which the people thought that it might've been unsafe to travel to yeah. Iceland with this volcano, they also went about setting um, live web, uh, web streams to different Iceland uh, famous tourist destinations to show them in real time in digital out of home placements across major cities in the world. And what's really cool about that is they were using these live feeds in really public areas to show that Iceland was doing great. <laughs> that <laughs> That's still, so cool. <laughs> that it's a, still an amazing uh, destination to go to. And again, they'll focus on that core principle of focusing on the really romantic and positive stories. So mm. really glad that it was able to deliver such strong results. Yeah. And um, yeah. That's such a cool campaign. I also love sort of inadvertently they've, they've created, I guess, quite, um, eye-catching creative with that live stream yeah. because if you think about it like a digital out-of-home placement usually it's quite a cluttered selling message to just have a beautiful waterfall or landscape just there just yeah. as it is nothing on it just sort of live streamed would be very sort of eye-catching and, and would stop you in your tracks you're like that that's really nice and yeah. also just something nice to look at as you're walking past and yeah it's actually you get cut through by not having much there at all just a beautiful location and landscape yeah, 100%. And it's one of those, uh, I think it's one of the beautiful intersections of when you have a really great piece of creative and how that's leveraged through really smart media execution as well. Mm. And when those two things came together of showing these beautiful natural landscapes yeah. in really cluttered urban environments that were probably quite busy and stressful, yeah. <laughs> that it kind of makes for a really magical um, campaign. Yeah, no, that's, it's really smart. I think um, as well. I was I was just thinking. Um, I'm a bit upset that you didn't try and pronounce the um, the volcano's name. Oh yeah. I I'm not going to do it myself. But <laughs> all I know is I know the one you're talking about, and I know that it has lots of consonants and not many vowels, <laughs> yeah. and lots of F's and J's next to each other. Yeah. So good luck with that one. Yeah. I also know um, in terms of travel marketing and, and Iceland. I think this was Iceland as well. Was um, the use of like 
other forms of media like movies and things yeah. using destinations in those in those movies to get people who are seeing those movies to go wow that's really cool and i'm pretty sure it was iceland was heavily featured in the movie uh the secret life of walter Mitty. oh wow yeah, which sure. is if you haven't seen it just phenomenal yeah um, really cool movie ben stiller yeah well done um but yeah and it's same thing like you just see all of the fantastic parts of, of, of iceland and it makes you really want to go so it's yeah. it's almost like in, instead of having a real push strategy you can also have a bit of a pull by just sort of having your landscape live in a cluttered you know urban environment or being featured in a movie yeah 100 percent um i think was really cool about research in this case study was seeing that like almost 10 years later like the origins of Iceland becoming such, a, you know, a hot destination at the moment, pun mm. intended, um, uh, with, it being, so, with, with it being so cold, obviously. Yeah, they, they do have um, natural springs though. Yeah, there, so it is. It can be hot. Um, and I think what's been what's been really cool is that you've um, I've also seen quite a large increase in Arctic surfing tourism off, off okay. the back of this recently as well, and. You see certain um, influencers like uh, shout out to Chris Burkard on Instagram, who's a sur Arctic surf travel photographer, mm. um, and he's popularised the idea of going surfing in in both Norway and Iceland, and again showing these beautiful, striking visuals of like awesome waves in very remote but cold locations. Yeah. And from that, Iceland started to build up some small Arctic uh, surfing tourism as well. Um, so there's an awesome uh, digital surfing magazine called um, the Nordic Surf Mag. Um, they have this awesome hashtag that they call hashtag no palm trees. Um, and, and from that, like, they're really promoting and celebrating the, the fact that this is quite a like beautifully but like remote and almost untapped surfing destination still because of the cold. And they're turning that into a positive, which yeah. is really beautiful. So Very I'm really cool. embracing that. And to be honest, it's making me really want to try and go surfing there. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, I, it sounds really cold. And, and I think that, you know, it brings up another another part of, of travel marketing, which is really important, which is, you know, the opportunities for cross-selling and bundling. So the reason I say that these link together well is because, you know, uh, you, you need to potentially cross-sell if you're selling some lower margin packages to people to get them through the door to book mm. holiday maybe you can cross sell them something like an experience when they're there to, to sort of bump that margin up mm. and improve their mix and what i'm thinking is that maybe they sell a package to go surfing in norway where maybe they don't make as much money mm. but then they also have a partnership with a you know a brand that sells super thick wetsuits yeah. <laughs> that are really high Definitely. margin i don't know but just an idea but um bundling and and um and cross selling is really important because as you said previously Travel can be pretty expensive, even these days where it's mm. a lot more accessible. It can still cost you, you know, thousands of dollars for flights and accommodation. So one of the things that I guess travel agents originally did really well was to start to bundle together packages that seem more affordable and give you a total number of what it's going to cost you to mm. go. So you see them all the time, even still in the, the windows of like, you know, uh, family of four, go to Bali, seven nights, three-star accommodation, flights, transfers, everything, you know, $2,000 or something like that. And I think that really gets people to go, oh, maybe I can afford that. I can save up to that specific amount and, and I can actually afford to take my family to Bali. Um, so that's really great way of, I guess, driving leads and getting mm -hmm. people through the door. But then you've got to wonder how much money they make off this because you know, obviously there's a bit of partnership going on there. They've got an airline in on the deal. They've got a hotel in on the deal in Bali and they've got a transfer company and all of these things. And we'll talk about partnerships in a moment but that usually comes at the cost of, of margin so what else can you then cross sell them 
So if they're going to Bali, can you offer them a driver for a day that takes them to a, a more remote part where they mm. go to a cooking class and then go see a rice field and, and maybe that's where the money is made? Mm. Um, so, but I think it's, it's really a bit of a cornerstone of the industry is that bundle, pulling everything together. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's kind of, it's also like helping um, the consumer in that way as well, right? Like mm. organizing a, a travel uh, destination, like travel trip can be quite daunting and there's many different yeah. parts that go into it and taking that stress away and being a win-win for everyone is, is quite cool as well. Mm, totally. And I think leading on from that, I said um, partnerships are really important as well. And I think that we we probably should do a whole other podcast on yeah. airlines uh, and a- airline marketing in general and, and the partnerships they have. But um, for, for, for this purpose, partnerships between um, airlines, hotels, taxi groups, all sorts of things are really important because it makes it easier for the consumer to book, as you said, and, and to make things simple. But also it's, it's a great way for those businesses, those sort of, um, I guess, businesses that complement each other and don't compete with each other to be able to, to tr- help each other out. Mm-hmm. So a, a great example would be if you have a certain type of credit card, maybe you mm-hmm. earn points. And then you earn those points for a specific airline that they have a partnership. Let's say it's Qantas. So then you book online with Qantas. Um, you get travel insurance through the the credit cards uh, partnered mm. travel insurance company, uh, which comes when you book it, say, with that credit card. Mm. Uh, when you go to book the flight and the times and everything, it comes up, great, do you want a car? Here's a Hertz hire car. If you yeah. want this, we'll get you a good deal. Um, and then they've got a list of hotels that they work with as well. And you say, okay, we have a partnership with, with Hilton. Do you mm. want to stay at the Hilton? So it's a great way for all of those businesses to get more leads, mm. but it also makes it just easier for the consumer as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a great example of when you can, uh, uh, with any partnership, signal that triple win of, mm. the, of the, the win for the uh, business proposing, the partnership, the partnered business, and also the consumer. So mm. yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, really cool. Well, um, great job, guys. We might put our um, our cameras away and our our long travel logs. If we sketch you, if we've ske- sketched this portrait of tra- travel marketing. I'm putting my passport back in my top pocket of my, <laughs> of my shirt. <laughs> um, and uh, as marketers, Mark, we always know that um, we want to be really engaged with the world and, and stay curious um, in order to fuel our, our creative thinking. So, um, what have you found interesting this week? Yeah, so I, I just finished a book last night. Um, nice. Yeah, that, that's not the story. <laughs> There's more. Um, but, but it was called uh, The Art of Zen and motor, Motorcycle Maintenance. So a friend recommended it to me. And essentially what it is, is it's like a book on philosophy. Yeah. Uh, but the book is told throughout a story of a guy traveling with his son across America on a motorbike. Wow. And he uses metaphors. Um, about motorcycle maintenance to tell Mm. the philosophy that he's talking about, if Uh, that makes sense. So it was, I'm not going to lie, like I found it personally to be a bit of a tougher read, uh, especially the first 400 pages. But after that, I thought it got really readable. Um, And by the end, which was the fifth, page um it was it was it was pretty good um so i like go read it for yourself but uh, you know the the idea is that um he talks about the idea of quality and what Mm. quality is and i guess you never really think about stuff like this but Mm. um quality is is neither a thing Mm. and it it doesn't have any real criteria in Mm. general for what good quality is everyone knows what quality is and Mm. what good quality is but you don't 
sort of know why if you really think about it you just know that something's sort of good and something's bad yeah wow uh, in a general sense obviously yeah. when you go down into categories of like uh, a good quality car is maybe one that lasts longer yeah. than three years or whatever um so yeah really really cool dividing different types of people and how they both sort of come together to assess quality it's, it yeah, wow. says the word quality a lot yeah right um so Sounds like romantic types of people and classical types of people. exactly so yeah really interesting book the other book i read was um John Le Care, more John Le Care. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So that's just, you know, I'm becoming a conspiracy theorist <laughs> by reading lots of these sort of like spy novels. <laughs> that's awesome. I think, well, I think the biggest question is, um, are you uh, going to buy a motorcycle after in the book? Look, I've, I've never been a motorbike guy. I've always been a car guy, but, yeah. and I know you ride a motorbike, which, you know, is pretty cool. Join so, us. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking maybe. We'll get cool jackets for the marketing show. <laughs> get patches what, what, off the top of your head any any sort of motorcycle gang names for us yeah i think um the brand builders <laughs> brand build and destroy wow. <laughs> uh, that, we can stop there i think we yeah got i think we've got it right <laughs> so um you guys can order the patches online now. <laughs> we'll hand We're, sew them on your jacket yeah exactly you send if, it you, in. if you shop at the marketing store uh marketing pod uh online shopify store um <laughs> we'll no, be creating awesome. that after this <laughs> yeah um, in terms of uh, this week, what I found interesting, Tell me. actually, I've gone down a bit of a marine path. Wow. So um, I was surfing the other day and I noticed a octopus as I'm, I was coming out of the water, like on some of the rocks and kind of just got me thinking like oct- octopuses, octopi, uh, octopi pardon, mm. uh, um, very interesting creatures. Like they're very unique and just mm. like seeing the way it was moving in the natural setting, like, yeah, it was, it was quite an amazing experience. So. Uh, I had to get home, had to do a little bit of a Google, um, and I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, and really started looking into some, into some really amazing uh, octopus facts, Hit which, I'd love, which facts. I'd love to love to share with you. So first amazing octopus fact is that they have three hearts, which I thought was quite interesting. So yeah, they've got a lot of love to give. But Very also, romantic animals. Yeah, exactly. So you never, you never thought about them. So mm. yeah, they've um, yeah, you've got three of them. I guess they're a bit clingy as well. <laughs> um, the, so they're also uh, boneless um, and don't have um, an exoskeleton as well, which means that it makes makes them quite unique. Is one of the reasons they can squeeze in and out of tight spaces and mm. maneuver themselves quite well. Um, they squirt ink to deter their predators, mm-hmm. which is quite a. I like it. It's quite a passive strategy. You know, like it's not an aggressive defense mechanism, but mm. it, it, it gets the job done. Um, there's also up to 289 different species of octopi, wow. which are, yeah, lots and lots and lots of different types, mm. lots of um, diversity in the world of the octopus. Um, two thirds of octopus also, are, no, sorry, octopuses also have two thirds of their neurons on their t- uh, tentacles. Wow. So yeah, they're, you know, they've got um, neurons are firing all over their body, which yeah, is wow. quite a sensory, like in, in, interesting concept. You think of them being both sensory and cognitive creatures mm. with, their, with their limbs. Um, they're also escape artists. So they're very intelligent. They, um, and in uh, 2016, an octopus in the National Aquarium of New Zealand um, squeezed out of its tank and escaped into a drain pipe that led mm. into the ocean. So look for that. Um, document netflix documentary coming to <laughs> coming to your laptop soon um they're also generally solitary creatures um octopuses so they've mm. got a lot of thinking to do out in the ocean oh well, they've got yeah a lot of brain power yeah you know generally Think, thinking and feeling with their three hearts exactly yep yeah. um uh, also this is one of the ones i found uh really really uh invigorating is that to swim octopuses suck water into their bodies and uh, shoot it out of a siphon type tube 
Um, and this lets them blast a, a jet stream of water in able to be able to effectively sprint away and maneuver around the ocean. So they're the jet skis of the, of the, the underwater animals. They are. So, wow. um, yeah, I, th- I thought that was absolutely amazing. So uh, the, the, the best fact I came across is always that they can also tell the, f- the future when it comes to different I, World Cup we all know that. results. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'd just like to add one, yeah, one point to your... Do almost flawless school report on, on the octopi. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get really any help from my parents. <laughs> um, I, I'm surprised you didn't bring like a paper mache <laughs> octopus in. Well, it's an audio medium, Mark. <laughs> um, but uh, they are also delicious. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I think it's, um, I've had a little bit of an existential crisis with um, my love for seafood and also octopus and uh, now my in-depth knowledge uh, of their inner working. So, um, yeah, probably just good. stop eating those little baby ones. Oh, let's end on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, need to go, I need to go think about that for a little bit. Um, but yeah, as always, guys, thank you so much for um, tuning in and joining our, our learning journey and our learning community. Um, and please uh, leave us a review and uh, let us know what you think and how we can continue improving. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate any feedback you can give us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.